Wow. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Edge Church today. You can be seated. Great to see you this morning. Uh, a few years ago, um, the Aurora Theater shooting uh, happened in our city. Many of you remember that. And uh, the, during that event, one of our church members was shot uh, three times. And uh, he lived and uh, made it through you know, the, the surgeries and the trauma of being shot. But um, the Sunday after the shooting, he actually gave a testimony at church and he was up on stage and, and we were talking a little bit about what God had been teaching him through this horrific experience. And he made a comment that um, the media picked up on. He said that he had chosen to forgive the shooter. And that morning at church, we had like 10 different media outlets. Um, we were featured on CNN, uh, Fox News was there, ABC, NBC, the whole, the whole group. And the media just really focused on that, that, that one thing more than anything else. Why would you forgive somebody who hurt you? That doesn't make any sense. In fact, the, the media's comment to me was, why, why should he forgive somebody who's that evil? This guy doesn't deserve it. And uh, what they failed to understand was that forgiveness and that dealing with evil is not so much about the perpetrator as it is about our own heart. And the reason that Pierce chose to forgive the shooter was not because the shooter was, was worthy of anything. It was because he didn't want to have bitterness and hate in his own heart. And I was thinking about that this morning because today we're kicking off a new series called Overcomer. And we're talking about overcoming evil, overcoming evil. Uh, it's interesting. I was over at Forever 21. I was doing a little shopping this week and uh, believe that or not. And uh, I looked up and on the mannequin, there was this top and I couldn't believe it because I read the front of it and it says not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. And I was like, that's in the Bible. In fact, that's what I'm preaching on at church this Sunday. And I flipped it around to the back. And sure enough, it said first Peter three, nine. And it was like forever 21 and the word of God got together and had a baby. <laughs> and this is what came out of it. So you never know what you're going to find. The same concept is also conveyed in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says something very similar. And I want us to look at verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God wants us to be overcomers of evil. How do we overcome evil? How do we overcome evil? Well, in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, there's like... 30 different instructions. It's the most instructive chapter of the New Testament. Uh, and, and in these particular verses, uh, verses 9 uh, to the end of the chapter, there's these 30 instructions. It's like 13 verses, 30 instructions there at the back end of Romans chapter 12. It, it is a content-heavy chapter with exhortations and commands for us to follow. Um, but he wraps up, chapter 12, with saying, do not overcome evil, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And many of us have faced evil. 
Many of us have been through some, some tough things. You don't have to raise your hand, but, but maybe you've been lied to. Maybe you've been cheated on. Maybe you've been abused in some, some capacity or some way. Uh, maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've been falsely accused or misunderstood. Or maybe you've been the victim of a, a crime or a violent act. How do we overcome evil with evil? Or how do we overcome evil with good? How do we do that? I want us to see three things this morning. And each of these three things, I think, are going to challenge us to be people who are overcomers. Overcomers. The first one is the Bible says that we are to hate evil. We're to hate evil. Everybody say hate evil. We're to hate evil. It's kind of funny. It's the only time in the Bible that I can remember that it says it's okay to hate. All right? It, it, it can be good to be a hater. Did you know that? You can hate some evil. You can hate evil. Hate evil. Hate what is not good. Now, the Bible doesn't say we should hate evil people, but the Bible says we can hate evil. So we don't necessarily, or we don't hate people that do bad things, but we can hate actions because hateful actions bring harm and despair and destruction. Look with me, if you would, in verse 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in honor. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And uh, the context of Romans 12 is love. And it's interesting that he's talking about love, but then he talks about hate. But I think what the apostles communicating to us is that to truly love God, we have to hate evil. And if we don't hate evil, then we don't truly love God. These things go together. If we're indifferent about evil, then we don't truly love the Lord. We don't truly understand. It's kind of paradoxical because when you hate evil, it actually gives you the capacity to love. So we're to hate evil. Don't hate the people but hate the stuff. And he says, cling to what is good. Hate evil, cling to what is good. That word cling means to be glued to something, to hang on to it. We ought to hang on to the things that are good in our life. We ought to hang on to love. We ought to hang on to virtue. We ought to hang on to truth. We ought to hang on to whatever is good in our life. We shun evil. We cling to what is good. How do we overcome hate? Well, we We hate evil. We cling to what is good. We cling to what's good. And we should start by hating the sin in our own lives. How many of you know it's easy to look around at the sin in everybody else's life, right? Like, how about your spouse if you're married, right? Can you hate the sin in your spouse's life? You're like, that's easy. That's easy. Yes. We ought to look within our own heart and our own stuff first and begin to look right here. And to hate the evil that's within us. We want to draw closer to God. We want to love God with all of our heart. How can I love God? I got to hate evil. I got to hate evil. I got to shun it. I got to get away from it. The word hate also can be translated abhor or detest. If you look at another translation. A real Christian will not be passive or indifferent about evil. And hate leads us to many extremes. Hating evil will lead us to an extreme love for Jesus. Uh, Hate can be both godly and sinful. It depends on what we hate. If we hate evil, that's good. 
If we hate people, that's bad. So he says, hate evil, hate evil. And we should hate sin because sin hurts people. Um, You know, the Bible says that God hates divorce. Now, again, it doesn't say that he hates divorced people. It says he hates divorce. Why does God hate divorce? Divorce hurts people. That's why. Yeah, I remember being a, a senior in high school. My parents split up. And uh, there was a lot of conflict in my family. And I was like, man, if my parents get a divorce, everything will be better. You know what I learned? <laughs> divorce has a lot of pain. Divorce has a lot of struggle. Just because you get a divorce doesn't make, make everything better. There, there's, there's, there's a lot of problems. There, there's just, just different problems you got. Now you're alone. Now you don't have the finances. Now, it's hard. It's hard. Sometimes divorce is inevitable. But we should do everything that we can to keep a marriage together. We ought to do all that we can. And we ought to hate divorce. Not because we hate divorced people. No, because we don't. Not because we, 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 we hate other, other things or, or whatever it may be. We just know that divorce hurts. Divorce is destructive. We want to shun evil. We, we ought to hate pornography. We ought to cling to purity. Why do we hate pornography? Pornography often escalates. It starts with a picture, then it moves to a video, then it moves to a chat room, then it moves to a hookup, and it brings destruction. We should hate what is evil. We should hate pride, bragging, exaggerations, puffing ourselves up. We should hate substance abuse. We we should hate lying. You know, I don't mind if people mess up. Just don't lie about it. Does anybody hate lying? Lying is the worst, isn't it? (laughs) Don't be a liar. We ought to hate lying. We ought to teach our kids, don't be a liar. We ought to hate evil. Cling to what's good, the truth. Telling the truth. Let's cling to what's good. Let's shun what's, what's evil. And there's two reasons I think that we ought to hate evil, at least two reasons. One is in verse 11, he says that our spiritual fervor is connected to hating evil. Uh, Notice he says there, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. In other words, if you want to be spiritually fervent for Christ, you have to hate evil. If you don't hate what is bad, if you don't hate the evil, you can't be passionate for the Lord. And then in the Proverbs Proverbs chapter 8, it says that when we hate evil, we have sound judgment. See, when when, when hate has infiltrated our heart and anger has taken over, we we don't have a rationale about us. We can't think clearly about the decisions that we're making. Proverbs 8.13 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct, Perverse speech, I possess good advice and sound wisdom. I have understanding and strength. So when I hate evil, I have understanding and strength. I can think clearly about the issues that are before me. Well, how can I overcome evil with good? The second thing is I have to not repay evil with evil. So I got to hate evil and then I can't pay back evil. I shouldn't pay back evil. Look, look at this in verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, don't return evil for evil. Now, what does our culture say about this? If you punch me, I'm going to punch you back harder. Amen? <laughs> Anybody ever thought that? Yeah, like this morning. Amen? Yeah. Like all the time. That, that's the natural, that's a natural way to think. Okay? The apostle calls us to a higher standard. When people punch us, we don't return evil for evil. And he says, actually... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I know what some of you just thought. You're like, you don't know my ex. <laughs> you don't know the people I work with every day. You don't know the crazy people in my family. Live at peace. He says, just as far as it depends on you. What does that mean? That means that you can't control every family member, every acquaintance, every associate, every neighbor. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't make people make certain choices. But as far as it depends on you, you're striving to live at peace with all people. So you're the peacemaker. When everybody else wants to fight, you're the one de-escalating. You're the one trying to calm everybody down. You're the one that is trying, if it's possible. <laughs> it may not be possible. But if it is possible, you want God to use you to bring peace into that situation. Don't repay evil with evil. Live at peace with everyone as much as it's possible. There's times when it's not possible. But when it is possible, let's live at peace. Now, you know, Jesus endured more evil than anybody. I mean, if you just think about the crucifixion of Jesus, the, the, the trials of Jesus, the false accusations of Jesus, the torture of Jesus, the, the mistreatment of Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything wrong, and they still nailed him to the cross. Jesus was treated with the greatest of evil, and yet he did not return evil with evil. And Jesus is the one that we look at as the great example to help us here, to help us. Um, we wouldn't even have the gospel. We wouldn't even have the good news of Christ if Jesus would not have died and resurrected. If Jesus would have returned evil for evil, then, then he, he couldn't have died for our sins. So I'm so thankful that he chose to rise above his circumstances, and his oppressors to not return evil with evil. You know, Gina and I work hard. We put boundaries up with people. When people bring evil or harm to us, we don't, we don't return evil with evil, but we do put boundaries up. I don't think that the Bible tells us that we should keep hugging and loving the people that are stabbing us in the back. Amen? I can be nice to you, but I can keep you over here. <laughs> I can keep you over here. Some people even further away than that, you know? 
I don't have to return evil. I just don't let you up close like I will other people. So we need to put some boundaries up, man. If somebody keeps stabbing you all the time and you keep fighting with them, put some boundaries up, put some distance there. That may be the most helpful thing that you can do. And he says, don't repay evil for evil because God is the one that's going to settle the score. Now, don't miss this. Because I know some of you are like, but that's not right for me to not kick them back, you know? Look at this. you got to trust God when you're being put down. When people are treating you inappropriately, you got to trust God. you you got to have faith. And here's the deal. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God says, keep reading in Romans 12. Read it. God says, I will settle the score. The reason that I don't have to get back at the people that hurt me is because I know God's going to take care of them. And I've actually felt sorry for some people in my life. I was like, you did that nasty thing? Man, God, uh, whew, I wouldn't want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get as far away as I can because when lightning strikes, I don't want to be close to it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can handle evil people? Now, oftentimes God does so, you know, in a timeline that is not in accordance with our timeline. How many of you have wanted to push the fast forward button? You're like, Lord, can you hurry up and bring the wrath of God, you know? Have you ever prayed for the wrath of God on somebody, you know? God, like, tomorrow, like, today, like, in five minutes, yes, now, please, Lord, yes. God often does so in his own time. I don't think we should obsess or worry about that. Let's just let God handle those things. Listen, the reason is, the reason that God doesn't want us to return evil with evil is because he knows that evil will take over our heart and we can't have love if we have hate. Hate and love can't coexist. So if you're constantly worried about getting somebody back and settling the score, you can't be a person of love. So God says, just let me take care of that. Let me take care of the bad guys and you focus on love. Amen? Don't, don't return evil with evil, even when you have opportunity to do so. A few years ago, Gina and I were at a church in another state, and we had an executive pastor that had an affair, and then he lied about it. And uh, so we had to let him go from the church, and he sought to, to spread rumors about me and the church and tried to divide the church and took a group of people away from our church and caused a lot of pain in the church. And uh, Gina and I did not return evil for evil with this guy. We told him, don't marry this girl that you're dating. You need to work things out with your wife. He didn't do it. He marries the girl. Guess what happens? (laughs) A few years later, Splitsville, divorced again. You never want to marry somebody when you haven't dealt with the lying of the adultery. That's never good. That's not a good way to start a marriage. And we have a little saying in our family, time tells the truth. Time tells the truth. Now it took four or five years. It took a little time. Now this guy, by himself, lying, deceiving, causing dissension, 
And the church is continuing to grow and to flourish. Time tells the truth. We don't have to return evil for evil because you know what? Time will tell the truth. Time will tell the truth. If people have hurt you or if people have wronged you, time will tell the truth. You keep being faithful to God. You keep doing what God has called you to do. You keep, you keep loving people. You keep focused on the mission of Jesus in your life. Time will, it'll tell the truth. And see, when we return evil for evil, we actually become like the people that we hate. And I don't want to be like them. I'm trying to run from them. I don't want to become them. That's why we don't fight fire with fire. We just let God work. I'm not in the business of playing God. I'm going to let God work. Now, does this mean if you're kind to people that they will always repent and become your friend again? No. Read your Bible, okay? Peter denied the Lord three times. He repented. Judas didn't. Some people do. Some people don't. The centurion said this was the son of God at the crucifixion of Jesus. The Pharisees said, good riddance. One thief on the cross followed Jesus, another didn't. Doing good to people who do wrong to you can turn people around, but it doesn't always. But you know what? Let's leave that in God's hands. That's not for us to worry about. We need to de-escalate the situation. So we hate evil. We don't repay evil with evil. But here's the hardest one of the three. Check this out. Do good to those who do evil. I mean, you know, it's almost like, was it, Lord, is it hard enough to just not punch them back to do evil for evil? And now you want me to do good to people who do evil to me. What is going on? I'm going to do good to those who do evil. If this doesn't push you, you're not human. Look at this in verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In the context of this passage, the scripture is saying that we should, that we should love and that we should go beyond tolerating people. I mean, it's one thing to tolerate evil people. It's another thing to love and to serve people who hurt us. Wow. This this is a big one right here. It's a really big one. But he says in verse 21 that in doing so, we actually overcome evil. We're not overcome by evil, but we overcome evil. Um, Not not too long ago, uh, I felt really hurt by somebody and... um, I was online a few months ago, and I noticed that they had a GoFundMe. Their family was going through a a, a crisis, a big crisis. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit prompted me to make a donation to the GoFundMe of this individual who who had really hurt me really bad. And so I talked to Gina about it. I was like, "Can can we make a donation? She was like, yeah, absolutely. So we made a donation. And the reason that I wanted to make the donation is because I didn't want hate to be in my heart. I felt like that I could overcome evil by doing good. Who has God put in your life 
that he may be calling you to do some good to that has hurt you. What it will do in your own heart is it will actually allow you to become what we're talking about in this series, an overcomer. The way that we overcome is we don't act like the people who have hurt us. The way that we overcome is we return good, good for evil. And he says here, you heap burning coals on their head. Somebody just thought, ooh, I love that. That sounds good, Lord. Give me some of those coals I'm going to put on his head. In the Egyptian culture, they wanted to demonstrate public shame and guilt, or when they wanted to, to express public shame and guilt. Somebody would get a pan, and they would put hot coals on their head, and they would have to walk around town publicly shaming themselves and expressing a remorseful, repentant attitude. Sounds kind of like a strange custom, but I think that this may be what the apostle is referencing here. And, you know, at face value, you look at this and you're like, well, is Paul saying that our good deeds will lead the other person? uh, uh, Will we be able to kill the person with kindness? You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to be so good to the person that has wronged me. And I'm going to hate them while I'm doing it, but I'm going to get them because I'm going to be so nice. I don't think that's quite the spirit with which this is being communicated. But it is interesting how good, how good can help people see the wrong that they've done. And I think that what is being said here is that you make him feel embarrassed by the bad choices that he was making. Somebody will be ashamed of how they treated you when you treat them well when you're kind you make people second guess like maybe I shouldn't have been so nasty to her maybe I shouldn't have said all that stuff about him because he's so nice when you return evil for evil you escalate when you return evil with good you de-escalate and so we want people to see their own sin and to turn away from that And to embrace the Lord and true repentance, how do we do that? We return evil for good. We return return evil for good. Um, To treat a man with kindness rather than vengeance is the the greatest way to move him. And I realize some people can't be moved, and that may be the case. But we ought to return evil or good for evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And finally, in verse 21... The word overcome is used. And that word overcome is the word that we get our word Nike from. Anybody got some Nike sneakers on today? We got any overcomers? Okay, a couple of people, yeah. To, 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 to have Nike is to be victorious. That's what the word means. It means winning, victorious, victory, so forth. So we are winning. We are winning. We are not overcome by evil, but we are overcoming evil with, with good. Don't overcome that evil with evil, but overcome it with with good. Don't let your enemies' evil make you evil. Don't let your enemies' crazy make you crazy. Don't be like them. Don't let other people's sins against you make you sinful. See, when you succumb to evil, you allow the enemy to get you down. And that's what they wanted to do in the first place. 
is to get you down. So we're not going to play that game. Right after the Charleston church shooting a few years ago uh, in South Carolina that left nine people dead, Pastor Rick Warren wrote this on his Facebook page. I thought this was really awesome. He said, we've been here too many times, but each time it still shocks us to the core. He said, um, our response should be the opposite of what the gunman intended, listing ways that Christians can stand for peace, love, and justice. The gunman's intention was to divide people, so we must unite in our grief. His intention was to start a race war. We must be peacemakers. His intention was to further, further segregation, so we must model integration in our churches. His intention was to do injustice, so we must stand for justice. And his intention was to do harm, so we must be agents of healing. Don't be overcome by evil. Don't return evil for evil, but return good when you face evil. Let's bow together for a word of prayer.